Jay Bruce, what are we going to do tonight? The same thing we do every night. Record the TriTac Games podcast. Starting pool the TriTech Games Podcast. Do you got your imagination caps on? I hope so. Make sure they're all nice and tight. Turn the dial up to 11 and get ready for some imagination. Off we go to those fun folks at the TriTech Games. Here they are. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trab. This is Richard. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Your podcasts are creating awesome games, and we don't think there's anything funny about that. Nope, 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 nothing funny around here. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're talking about adventuring in a Toon universe and what that can be. Now, the reason we this is important and fringeworthy is because there is an actual world that's listed as being a Toon world, uh, which means it's in a Toon universe where the laws of physics in that universe are tune laws and tune physics. And the creatures that live in there are tunes. Fringeworthy, the game of interdimensional adventure from Tri-Tech Games. Antarctica, 2010. A Japanese research team finds a portal to alien and alternative Earths. Only one person in 100,000 has the special ability that lets them use the portal and travel the pathways to infinity. You are this person. You are the Fringeworthy. Fringeworthy is the first RPG of interdimensional adventure across millions of alternative Earths. Fringeworthy is available at TriTech Games at www.tritechgames.com slash fringe dot htm a million million worlds await you go visit them one very important thing you need to remember about going to a tune universe is that these are all based on well tunes these little story and as soon as your fringeworthy walks in onto that tune universe you're probably now involved in a story i gotta use air quotes for that and you probably won't be able to get back to that portal until you don't to the story's done with you. You may be there for a while without any hope of getting back to the portals and leaving. That's the essence of most tunes is the characters are swept away with the drama of the tune itself. So yeah, until the tune is over, until the big laugh or the resolution comes, you're pretty much stuck. Yeah, into the denouement, and you can then pop to the portal with the all the newly found Fringeworthy you found on that world. Or before the next thing happens. Yeah. Probably the best thing that could possibly happen to you would be if suddenly night falls like an anvil over the Toon universe, assuming that that happens. 
everybody just goes to sleep. And you can escape at that point before things wake up and everything goes crazy again. Now be thankful that this is just an alternate. Now imagine this when the Prime is a Toon universe. Second you step in that alternate platform, you're in a Toon. <laughs> and you're in a Toon on the Prime. Doesn't matter you're on the platform, you're now in a Toon. <laughs> and you may not be able to get back to the to the portals until the Toon's done with you. The universal laws apply up and down the node. Right. By stepping into a Toon universe, you're now involved in the story. The second you step onto the platform, an alternate platform, you're now involved in, in a story. Right. And you won't be able to leave until that story's done. Let's do the whole prime alternate physics law of physics here. Yeah. We do this as magic. Mm-hmm. If magic works on one world, whether prime or alternate, it works on all. Mm-hmm. These tunes would stay probably tunes here in the negative nine node. The And the negative nine prime here, for following along in your portal manual, is... The Goop Industrial. And there's Happy Place, Purple Cornfield, Dead Place, Salt Desert, Alternate Bio 1957, Toon World, Concrete Pillars, and Glass Wreckage. I would probably say that the tuneness of that tune character would stay the same all throughout the node, prime and alternates. It's once you step off that alt platform onto the pathway leading to another alt platform. Mm-hmm. That's when you the wonkiness would begin, because you're That's no longer good. in the same physical realm. That's very very good. Well, it it could be true, but I know that in some places, otherwise perfectly normal nodes will have an other place on them. So sometimes I wonder that that on the alternate platform, there it's not always a hundred percent true that the physics of the node applies to that each individual portal. Let's say if there was an other place on... Well, that's what Toon is. Officially, there's no other place... Well, the Toon place is considered an other place. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. going by how we've uh, made the ruling that if magic works on a prime or all that works throughout the entire node, prime, alt system, and star. Yeah. On the platforms, but not necessarily on any of the alternates. One of the alternates may be a world where magic was ne- where magic doesn't work. In that same world. Fine. I mean, we would have to make that distinction. Distinction. Thank you. And I've sort of taken it as a pet project down the line to catalog, okay, magic, psi, weird science, what works in each world. Because I have all of the worlds from portals one, two, and three printed out in a big blue binder. That's from what I read earlier. Mm -hmm. Needless to say, it's the 13th, it's going to be the 13th Herculean labor. This tune world would be considered an other place. Because the laws of physics and nature and whatnot are so radically different from all the others. You yeah. need the 18-hour bubble to survive. And for, for those who, who are not familiar with this, the 18-hour bubble is a safety feature of the fringe paths that allow you to operate in worlds that otherwise would be, and I have trouble with this word, anathematic to you. Otherwise, you would step on and you would die instantly due to just being incompatible with that world's physics. The fringe system generates this 18-hour bubble, which there's a term I would use, but I don't know about copyright infringement. I like the word reality bubble. Yeah, well, I was going to, because it's 18 hours, I was going to call it the Playtex effect. (laughs) 
<laughs> it lifts and separates. Yes, the separating part is the important. Separating <laughs> from the the world otherwise keeps you safe. So yeah, the Playtex effect. It's a no, no, John. It yeah. supports and separates. Um, but yeah, I would see here that the prime negative nine or one through eight, otherwise tune. Your laws would generally stay the same. I would say things really would get wonky once you left the alt platform and started heading to negative 10 or negative 8. Or even to the prime. That would be when the reality bubble would really have to be there. And you would need to be moving real quick to make sure that you don't, like, discorporate or change. Because if you're on off that world for the first time... You don't know what's going to happen. You could discorporate at any time. You're 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 li- literally living on borrowed time. Right. That's also one of the reasons I brought the idea of remaining in a 2D form because maybe if you were in a 2D form versus a 3D form, that would actually make the bubble last longer because you were still adhering to the two-dimensional nature of being a tune. You're in a small house, and but if you run down the corridor, it's about a half a mile long. Because you got smaller as you ran down the corridor. Well, it's the same picture it keeps on going on by, too. You know, same picture in window. You, know, you see that all the time in Flintstones. The background scenery just keeps revolving and revolving and revolving. Sure, sure. Do you actually go anyplace? Or, right. uh, there was a freaking episode about that. He was actually stuck in TV land, and, and he was stuck in bad Sunday morning cartoons. But now, uh, as far as the character types are concerned, if you're a face guy... You're going to love it in the Toon universe because those Toons are gullible. Oh, yeah. So these beans will grow a giant beanstalk and I can go up and get stuff from the Giants? Sure, I'll give you my AK-47. Here you go. Elmer Fudd always buys into whatever Bugs is selling. Yeah. yeah and it's not just Bugs. Especially when he's dressed up that he goes in drag. You know, in the Toon universe, he's Marilyn Monroe when he puts on that wig and lipstick. Not that there's anything wrong when he does that. There isn't. No, no. <laughs> I just frightening thought. Um, okay, 18-hour effect. Let's say John's situation where, yeah, sure, I'll give you your AK-47. Once that AK-47, that cartoon representation of that particular weapon, pierces the reality bubble and gets in your hand, does it still stay the cartoon gun and do the incredible amounts of damage, or does it translate once it touches your hand into an AK-47? Because that would be really creepy if you were to be wielding that type of damage, because you know that probably that gun does like 500 D6 damage. Usually, by D20 stats, an AK-47, I believe, does either 2D6 or 2D8. Correct, 2D8. Or it does exactly what it does in most what most guns do in tunes. The tune gets the tune's hair is blown back, and they got some uh, they got blackface on, and that's about it. Or they get full of holes and look like Swiss cheese, yeah, yeah. Or they get shot. There's no blood, but they have to engage in a minute long dying scene. Yeah, which never truly ends. Yeah. Oh, and they look, and it's like Alabama. Those that hurt the much, sunny boy. <laughs> and, of course, as long as the tune keeps talking, he can't die. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, not he could anyways, but I'm just saying, he just keeps working, keeps working. All right. So, and again, you know, and tune disguises, as you said, always work initially on other tunes. I mean, eventually, I think Elmer Fudd, you know, does come wise to Bugs' costumes, but it's kind of hard to say because before he ever really would, Bugs always gives them the big kiss and pulls off the wig and says, ha-ha. So I'm not sure how long a, a disguise would actually work against a tune. 
Yeah. Well, don't forget, too, that uh, Bugs was totally enamored when the witch turned into a cute rabbit. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Number 16 in my list, you can build a stable tower of any height, one object on top of another. It will remain stable until you almost reach the top, and then you have to jump because it's going to fall down. Minecraft. Definitely Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the Django Tower. I mean, it's amazing. You you take a refrigerator, and you put a sofa on top of that, and you put a, a vase on top of that, and you put you know, an ironing board on top of that, and, and it doesn't matter whether they're sticking out at a wrong angle or anything else like that. That is a solid surface. You can climb that puppy as long as you can keep throwing more objects onto that. As long as you're building the tower, you can throw any object up to the top of the tower the same objects repeatedly because it'll float in midair. It's like, okay, the refrigerator, then the stool, then the fishbowl, then the safe, then the refrigerator, then the fishbowl, then the safe. <laughs> if you have enough boards, enough nails, you can actually build a bridge over a gaming chasm by nailing boards at the end of each board. Never mind that physics would, you know, after the third board, just fall over because it's only hanging. Well, it does eventually fall, fall over. But I, I love the tower thing because I've seen them do that in a bunch of stuff. Well, in some cases, the tower doesn't collapse, but the, the Wiseacre character comes along and pulls something out, and the ten, then the tower collapses. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, he, fi- he finds the, the, you know, the, the piece of lint that was sticking on the end of something, right. There is something that we missed about back, oh God, what point was it? Number eight. Oh, falling. Oh, no, 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 number eight. Oh, yes. Give Tunes. me a shot of that. Coons have violently... <laughs> Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. What in the fresh heck was that? <laughs> that was Porky Pig getting the, the drinking something from one an old Porky Pig cartoon. Uh, I love yeah, violent reaction to drugs and alcohol when they drink. You know, like they'll yeah, give me your worst stuff, and it's like old rot gut or old snake bite, and they. It looks like their their head, the top of the head is like a volcano. Or they shoot steam out of their ears. They blow fire, you know, out of one or the other end of themselves. Yeah. Sometimes they turn into ash and fall to the ground and then and then stand back up again. Then if you're seeing the old Chuck Jones, the 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 Dover Boys, uh, there, there's a uh, character in there who's well who's against the Dover Boys, and he's drinking, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, you know do any of those things, but, he did, but then again, the way he drinks is funny. So, of course, as you say, all rules, you know, if it's funny, it happens. Whatever is the funniest is, yeah, it's, it's how it looks. You know, like, he was just shotgunning. Okay, I have no idea know. what you're talking about, John. Would you... Oh, it was a, it's a Chuck Jones cartoon. It's a, oh, now I have to find a link for it now. I'll do that later. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a cartoon. Basically, it's a takeoff on, like, the Hardy Boys and stuff like that, you know, the Dover Boys are these uh, psych, are these two brothers who are two guys, you know, three guys, Tom, Dick, and Harry, and they have adventures, and they have a and they have an arch nemesis, and it's the arch nemesis who's busy drinking because the Do- Dro- Dover Boys drive him to drink, and he just you know shoots you know as far as away like rapid fire, you know shot after shot after shot after shot, which is funny. I guess so because I have no idea. John, you might want to put that link up also in the notes for when this is downloaded so our listeners... Yeah. Yep. So you can look at the, Dover, at the Dover Boys, or at least the sequence. I think that sequence is out there. 
because these are supposed to be funny, there's also a lot of embarrassment that happens along in tunes. And so if you go to a tune world, you can expect a lot of embarrassing things to happen to you, from kick me to you know being pantsed to all kinds of crazy stuff. But if somebody really you know raises your ire, you can pull something out of nowhere and clobber them with it. Yep. You are never left without a defense if you're really pushed to the limit. And this is one of the things where we're dealing with the old school tunes, but this comes into anime, the hyperdimensional hammer. Hammer space. Hammer space. Bum, bada, bum. You know, kind of like the same space where the Highlander pulls a sword from. Wait a minute. He's walking around downtown, you know, Vancouver, yet all of a sudden he has a katana. Wait a minute. Where? No, no. He he has a two he has a two headed great sword. Yeah, but it's from Hammer. The same thing. Hammer space. Yeah, you just whomp him on the head, you know, and it's often the the wood hammer with the well mashed head on it, and you know. And if you throw it away, it, it's gone. I mean, yeah. and no one else can take it from. I mean, they can take it from you, but most often you just throw it away and it's gone. And it often caves in the skull of the tune behind them because they don't realize that they just threw it. Bang! Oh, I'm right. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's things too, such as the black cat effect. Black cat crosses your your path. All sorts of bad luck happens. Yeah. I mean, you better move because something's gonna probably drop on you. Anvils, safes, pianos. Yeah. Yeah. Ocean liners, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember that one, yeah. <laughs> you don't understand, for the four of us here, folks, this is old home. <laughs> we all grew up with the Looney Tunes and all this, so we're yeah. just, this, this is just, you know, 5K fun run down memory lane tonight. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bunch of other corollaries, too. I mean, if, if, just you know, go out and watch some old Looney Tunes, or actually Merry Melodies, because Looney Tunes is actually the newer stuff. Go watch the old Merry Melodies and... You know, watch some Tom and Jerry. Uh, and I will have to say this. Yes, Tom and Jerry did talk in the two, in their cartoons, but very rarely and only on certain situations. In fact, there's one entire Tom and Jerry cartoon where Tom sings through it. Is you, is you, is you ain't my baby. <laughs> All laws of physics are negated by fear. If you're afraid, whatever it takes for you to get away or to get some distance happens. You can jump on top of a building. You can jump on top of your buddy. And by the way, when you do that, you don't make him collapse. You just stand up there on top of your buddy. Or you jump in his arms, one or the yeah, other. Jump in his arms, the old Scooby Shaggy thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. But more often than not, it's like you know, you see a, a, a spider or something like that, and you're now up on you know, hanging from the chandelier. Even though that's something that would take an Olympic high jumper wouldn't be able to pull off. And you would need a very high gauge chain in order to support your your relative weight. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Or, or don't forget though, if, if this is from Tex Avery. Uh, the the Tex Avery eye bulge, where basically you see something and it either scares the, scares the devil out of you, and, or you see something and it's like, oh, like a red hot red riding hood, and your eyes just go, your, your eyeballs are just, uh, yeah, as the, big as you are, or they pop out. You get a big one and then a smaller one, a smaller one, smaller one, smaller one, all separated by a small distance, and then they all pop back in your head. 
or you're slapping your own head with grabbing your ankles and slapping your own head with oh, your right. own feet. Yeah, you know. It does, it does bring a point that some tunes, if they're having a, a problem making a decision, especially when it's morally questionable, questionable, that's when two miniature versions of themselves will appear on their shoulders. Oh God, we forgot that. Oh. Wow. Yeah, the first time that happens to your Fringe Warrior Explorer, I think that's going to be a real trip. <laughs> wait, 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 don't do that. If we go there, if, if you Club Clyde over there first, then we can get that. No, no, don't Club Clyde. Clyde's your friend. Screw your friend. <laughs> what goes over the other shoulder, Jack slaps the angel. Like, shut up. If we're talking Fringeworthy here, would they be like a devil and an angel? Or one would, would one be like Schmert and the other one would be like a Meller? Whatever is funnier. I would probably <laughs> say the devil and angel. <laughs> Whatever is funnier. You know, if you got a seasoned explorer, maybe it will be a... The devil, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There would be maybe a Meller and Schmert on his shoulders. But then it's the Meller, it's the Meller who's arguing, do good things, and Schmert going, oh, don't trust him. He's bad. So Schmert's in the devil costume. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty funny. <laughs> See, to me, one of the funniest bits they ever did on Farscape is where they had... Scorpius. Scorpius. And he's walking around, you know, in uh, Bermuda shorts. Oh, yeah, in uh, Crichton Kicks. Yeah, he was there on the beach. Yeah, I remember that. He's at the beach. He's dressed in Bermuda shorts and stuff like that. Still with his leather costume head sticking out, of course. But it was hysterical. Every time I see that, I'm just laughing myself sick. Oh, no, the better one was when, uh, I believe... Peacekeeper Wars, they're both fighting in giant bunny costumes. I can believe that, too. Oh, yeah. So when the devil and the angel appear on your shoulders, they can take any form, but the rule of funny definitely applies. The more outrageous the combination, the better it's going to be, and the more likely it is to happen. And, And GMs, whenever the player starts, you know... Arguing with himself, that's when you make those make those suckers appear. Whenever there's any type of quandary, ethical quandary of you doing something, yeah, that that'd be the best time to pull that. Yeah. Yeah. Now normally this only happens to one person, but now you have a whole team of players, all of them arguing about something, that's when they all appear and everyone's also shoulders and they have arguments with each other as well. Well not only that, but you also have the devils and the angels getting into a uh, battle royale with the devils and the angels on the other character's shoulders. <laughs> I can see it about a uh, half hour later. The, the 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 characters are busy sitting back in, in in lounge chairs, having beers, watching as the devils and angels fight it out on the on the coffee table. Right, and dodging the bazooka shells, staying out of the line of seltzer fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh. Let's see. There's another one here. Objects with faces can talk and bite. Now, yeah. usually you would see that in a tree. I've seen cartoons where houses. The upstairs windows are the eyes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the, the, the door is the mouth. And just, mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you know, after seeing a home, even after seeing a Termolern home tree, a talking three-story house would scare the crap out of any virtually. Hello, I'm a two-story Victorian. Please come inside. I'm well appointed. I mean, but usually the objects would be like the scary trees in the forest. Which yeah. Yeah. There's that one uh, computer animated movie about a haunted house, uh, and that one is very good because the house never be, never anthropomorphized. It stayed a house, but it still had eyes, and it still had a mouth, and it still had a tongue. Are you talking about Monster House? Yeah, Monster House, yes. Yeah. That one was very good in that, yeah. doing that. 
the concrete walkway out to the street was was his tongue too, right? No, no, no. It was red carpet inside. Oh, the red carpet inside. Okay. Now this is from a list of cartoon laws that's out on the web, and John, you put that that thing there. But one of the things I like here was that an object in motion stays in motion. Gravity has no effect on it until something stops. An object is hurtling along; it just keeps on going. Ear uh, hits a building, tree, or cliff face. Right. It has. It basically has to run into something to stop. Yeah. So if you're fleeing, or if someone throws you, especially if someone throws you. Uh, you just keep going and going and going until and the GM can even play off with that whole revolving background and stuff like that. Or you, you could end up going all the way around the world and coming back and smacking the guy in the back of the head. That would suck if you were in a firefight. Yeah, unless you're launched from a catapult. Then you do a per- perfect arc and land someplace bad. Because <sighs> it, it, it's always an exception to every one of these rules. You know, if you launch from a catapult, normally you're just going to go up in the air and come back down again. Usually either in a cactus patch, scrap metal yard, a glass recycler, someplace that's going to hurt when you land. <sighs> right. But, of course, when you go through the clouds, the clouds are covered with creatures and, and angels or whatever like that, and they start pelting you with stuff. Yeah, and you leave perfectly sh- uh, shaped silhouettes as you pass through the clouds as well. Anytime you go through an object, you always leave a perfect silhouette of yourself. I'll yeah. Daffy Duck, uh, often as he's screaming. I'll scream. And of course, the, the, the coyote all the time did that. Oh, yeah. yeah. When something impacts something, it always leaves a perfect, perfect silhouette of itself. Actually, you can see that in that current Geico commercial when they're busy dropping uh, anvils and stuff like stuff like that, trying to hit the uh, the Geico gecko. If you paint a picture on a surface in a in a tune, then it actually becomes that. If you paint a tunnel, then you, uh, somebody can go into the tunnel, a train can come out of the tunnel, but whoever it was who painted it can't go into the tunnel themselves. Again, revenging angel Dargo painting the wormhole. Crichton zips through on his little Farscape 1 scooter. Dargo's jaw drops. He runs into it, smacks into the cliff. Yes. Or Wiley Coyote pitting a tunnel, and either the roadrunner runs through, he tries to run through, bounces off, and then he gets then he either gets hit by a truck or the roadrunner comes back out again running him over. You know, it happens many times. This actually makes sense because an artist always knows that the picture he's painting is actually daubs of paint or yes. spray a paint or something like that. He understands the reality that it's not real. But everyone who looks at the painting says, oh, I see a tree, or I see a person, or I see whatever. The artist says, no, you see daubs of paint that I've made to resemble a person, and I fooled you. You see, I, I pulled the trick. But he knows the truth, which is why the painter never can make it work for himself. Yep. Unless, of course, it, you know, it's, it's the truck coming out of the wall and chasing them down. But you know, that's, the, that's the law of funny again. Yeah. Or he forgets. Or he gets so angry that he tries following him and runs into the wall. Right. Yeah. But, he, but he knew that it wasn't real. So it's, that's what I'm saying. That's why it normally doesn't work for the artist is because they know that it's not real. So everybody else, because they're so gullible, they can be convinced. And if you believe something in a tune world, it pretty much is real. Oh, and another thing about falling, we were talking about that. If you say you fall from the top of a 20-story building, it could take you a good five minutes to hit the ground. You have enough time to actually have a conversation, talk to people, 
you know, have a sandwich, maybe even smoke a cigarette if you're quick at quick quick about it before you hit the ground. And you'll always fall faster than an anvil. Yes. Because otherwise it can't fall on you. But if someone's on top of the roof and you jump off, he'll beat you to the ground. If he's running down the stairs, right. Yeah. That's that's always true. <laughs> and he may try to catch you. And if he's Bugs Bunny, he'll just he'll have his hands out waiting and then he'll just pull back and watch you hit the ground. I think it's kind of wasting the whole concept of being a tune. But you can, if you want to, actually play the tune as totally straight, as like a normal character, okay, except he's a tune. And they did that because it wasn't a farce itself. They did it in The Last Action Hero. Oh, yeah. You know, the the kid from the outside uh, who came into the place, he's complaining to the main character, Slade, that one of the detectives is a cat, a cartoon cat. And, the, and of course, the detective's like, so what's your point? He says, my point is he's a cartoon cat. And he says, yes, and he's the best cartoon cat detective we've got on the force. What's your point? <laughs> uh, if you've ever read the graphic novel Cerebus, in the beginning, Cerebus was drawn as a cartoon character surrounded by people who were drawn very realistically. And, they, and none of, nobody ever said, what's this cartoon character doing you know, in this comic reality with us? They, ju- they just accepted him for being there. And you can do that. You could uh, go into a world where there is this juxtaposition between Toon-type characters and normal-type characters. And on that world, nobody sees a problem with it. That's pretty much the Roger Rabbit universe. Basically, there's Toon Town. Well, there's probably more than one Toon Town because you have the Japanese, you have the the um, European, but there's probably equivalent of Toon Town on every continent that has animation, and that's where the that's all the characters live. It's a cartoon bubble, basically. And let's see, that's where you're, you're bringing in more of the toonish type things. I'm just saying is that if you want to, just for the purpose of just being weird, you know, you could just you know have a world in which these two are in our mix and it's never explained. And all the tunes actually follow the normal laws of physics. The only difference is they are clearly animated three-dimensional characters versus everybody else. That was the premise for the old Bonkers animated series. Bonkers was a, was a cartoon cat who basically got fired and got a job working the police force. And I think it predates The Last Action Hero. I'm not sure, though. I have to look at the time, dates. In The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, I maybe it was Tom Sawyer, they had live-action characters that were in a animated world. The Nemesis, which was played by Richard Keel, he was Injun Joe. I think sometimes he was an animated character, and sometimes he was full-sized. And they they just played it completely straight, as if you know they they were just simply using the animated set as a real set, and the actors were doing it all before a green screen. But otherwise, they they treated it as if it was totally real, and all the objects were you know they looked into a, an abyss, or they were being chased by uh, wild animals. They would run from one side of the set to the other, and the animals would come racing across you know, in their animated form, and. It was very strange to, to watch, and because the animation was obviously done on the cheap, you know that's why they were doing it that way. Yeah, I think it was filmation, or maybe even Hanna Barbera. I have no idea, but it was the they, they had live. The, the point was they had live action actors, in, you know, in the same scenes as as uh, these animated characters. I remember that it was the uh, one of the the, the uh, it was the second feature on the uh, Banana Splits. 
you, you could be right. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so that's another way of doing it where if you don't want to go the whole route of, of – you just want to just make it crazy for your players – and or if you've got a lot of animation cells that you want to use as backgrounds for your particular adventure, uh, you could just throw them in and say, "Hey, yeah, you know, you're the, here. You are, and you know, you take the, you take a picture of their character or the or the player themselves, and just smack it right into the the animation cell and says, here you are, and just work from there. Whatever they see in the animation cell, they can interact with." Yeah, actually, I was just thinking about the uh, the problems of having a character who was tunified. Since there are humans, nine comma six, what may happen is that the humans are just that. They're just humans. They have no tune powers whatsoever. So when your Frenchmen show up, they turn into human tunes with no powers whatsoever. It's only the funny animal creators have the powers. Well, it says that there are mutants and near humanoids there, so... The humans are almost always the background characters. They don't have any powers. That's like an Animaniacs. Only the Animaniacs have the tune-type powers. Everybody else just play completely straight. Yeah. Now, if you do step around through and, and you do see that there's a uh, listing in the, in the in the telephone book or in a business guide for Quest Industries, leave the place quickly. Because if you're in the Johnny Quest universe, people die there. And they don't die by being shot. They get killed by like being uh, smashed by a speedboat, uh, crushed by a mummy, uh, disintegrated by an energy creature. You don't just have a nice death in the Johnny Quest universe. You have a horrible death in the Johnny Quest universe. <laughs> uh, there are lots of other ones here, but none of them are really jumping out at me in, in the law of funny kind of thing. Uh, I guess the only other thing is, is that we already talked about that, that uh, a cat will assume the shape of... You know, if it's container, you know, anytime that you you know stick a, a bottle over someone's head or, or smash them into something, when you take them out, they resemble the, the the container they were in. I mean, other than the fact that they're tunes, okay, and they have these tune physics like that, are there any kind of adventures that would be improper or not work very well for tunes? I don't actually see any because you have to look at the source material. A lot of the cartoons were written on two levels, one for the kids and one for the parents. There was a lot of innuendo in the old Merry Melodies. Yeah. You also have to remember the time period that the Merry Melodies were done. World War II era, you know, you had Bugs Bunny dealing with... And, and you could tell the time in history that it was during World War II, just the, the topics of the day. Yeah. So they they dealt with war, but they still tried to make it funny. Yeah. So, I mean, you could sit there and have any type of storyline in a toon world. You could have the toons being superheroes because you've had Wiley Cody dressed up as the bad guy, and uh, you could have mystery. You could have combat. You could have all types of stories. I would imagine. I mean, horrors spy type stuff I've, I've seen it all too so yeah oh yeah i mean uh, actually interesting enough with with, with wadi coyote when he dresses the bad guy he could fly when he put on the super guy suit he jumped off the cliff he promptly fell all the way down to the bottom so it, it depends on the costume i guess yeah okay <laughs> whatever is funnier and I guess that's the the real thing that we, I think we have to kind of sum it up with, and that is that yeah. if you're going to play a tune, unless you're playing, as they say, a, just a, 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 a cartoon character in a real world, the law of funny has to be the most overriding trump card in all the situations. Mm-hmm. 
there has to be a kind of a madcap zaniness to the situation because uh, Scooby-Doo, I mean, they, they tried to play it pretty straight, kind of scary, okay? But ultimately, it always degenerated to some, you know, nutso-wackety-sacks kind of situation. Fred makes a trap, and they basically, Scooby-Doo and, and Shaggy are the, are the bait, more often than not, and, and, and hilarity ensues. They're ultimately always being chased by the monster. And they're, they're running from rooms that the rooms would have to all be connected because they're running in and out of doors that, you know, would... And we're talking rooms on either side of the corridor. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, the monsters, the costumes these people come up with, oh, my God, you'd make money selling these costumes because they look real. You know, they have this glowing, glowing mist coming off of you. Oh, my God, these people, they would pay money for that. Sure. You, you know, yeah, go go into a co- into a costume uh, business rather than trying to steal the you know the broken down mansion off of somebody like they always seem to do. It wasn't for those meddling kids. <laughs> they wouldn't be able to because they wouldn't be able to get away with it because of those Snoopy kids and their dog. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, they always have to fail. Yeah. No, except in the cases where the uh, in Scooby Doo in like the third season they actually discovered that the supernatural was real. Yeah, the newer movies that Hanna Barbera put out like in the past ten years. Yeah. Well, it was also in the regular series. They actually ran. Uh, that's when they started bringing in guest stars, and they had werewolves and vampires and other things like that. Oh, yeah, with like Don Knotts, Jonathan Winters, the Adams Family, Tom DeLuise, yeah, Lauren Hardy. Up till then, it was always, you know, the, uh, Blix would have would have loved it because the, the, at the end, they always found out that the supernatural wasn't really supernatural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a little aside, because it's been actually been, it has become one of my favorite shows to watch, is the Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporate episodes. And yet, yeah, it's back, it's old, it's, it's, it, they've rebooted the, the series, but, and it is old school, the, there's no supernatural, except, maybe there is. You're not quite sure. Maybe you know what the, there really is supernatural in Crystal Cove, California, but not the ones they're investigating. And uh, sadly, we we're, we're they're on hiatus until sometime in mid-November before they start up again. So you can't you won't find out for sure for another ten episodes. So this is something that's just been released past two years. I I, I haven't been paying attention, John. It's, it's been it's a great series. Uh, we, we, now, talking about tunes, we also mentioned the universes that we, there are no humans like, you know, DuckTales and and uh, stuff like... Um... Ooh, oh. ooh, Tailspin! Tailspin, yes, thank you. Because we have referenced, and I remember Jay was on with us on this episode, he referenced Tailspin in describing Hardwired Hinterland. Oh, God. Hardwired Hinterland-esque... And I have to say S because there is a portal leading to the Heartlands. No, 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 no. Even better than that, and I think Richard will have a cardiac if I if I come up with it. But no, one of the environs in Hardware Hinterland, if you go investigating, it's a tune environ. We got magic. We have psionics. We have all this. Why not tunes in the Hardware Hinterland? That would be true. Yes. I don't know. What do you think, Richard? I think it's probably going to be coming up. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. You're uh, just like Eric on my show. You're an enabler. <laughs> That's right. I'm psychic or psychotic, one or the other. Well, I want to thank everybody for all the great ideas they had and talking about the Toon universe. 
I hope that you take this as encouragement to go and actually try to run an adventure on this particular world or any other tune world you want to add in to your campaign, whether it's Fringeworthy or Bureau 13 or uh, Rifts or any other game that you play to change things up because the Raws of reality are, they're not just twisted, they're bent. Yep. Anything is possible if you free your mind and really let the law of funny rule your game. Oh, Bruce, before you do that, ask me, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Uh, John, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Well, I think so, Bruce. But where are we going to find rubber ballerina outfits at this time of night? And in my size. Oh. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.